Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our plans and programs meeting of our uh, San Francisco County Transportation Authority for May 17, 2016. I'm Katie Tang, the chair of this committee. To my left, we have Commissioner John Avalos. To my right, we have Commissioner Lennon Breed. Our clerk is Steve Stamos. And from SFGov TV, we'd like to thank Charles Krimenak and Leo Diocese. Um, Mr. Clerk, if we can call the roll, please. All right. Item one, roll call. Commissioner Avalos. Avalos present. Commissioner Breed. Here. Breed present. Commissioner Farrell. Farrell absent. Commissioner Peskin. Peskin absent. Commissioner Tang. Present. Tang present. We have quorum. Thank you. Can we please call item two? Item two, uh, Citizens Advisory Committee report. This is an information item. Thank you. If we can have Chris Wadling, our CAC chair. Is he here? Okay, maybe not. Late. Okay, he um, may be running late. So maybe if we could push this item to later in the agenda then? Yes. And it's an information item. Yes. Okay, great. So we will come back to that, and if we can call item three, please. Item three, approve the minutes of the April 19th, 2016 meeting. This is an action item. All right, seeing no questions or comments, if we can get a motion on the, or sorry, public comment on the minutes. Seeing none, public comments close. And then if we can get a motion on the minutes. Thank you. Motion by Commissioner Avalos, and we'll take that without objection. Second uh, by Commissioner. Roll call oh, vote. sorry, roll call. On the minutes, uh, Commissioner Avalos. Yes. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Breed. Aye. Breed, aye. Commissioner Farrell. Farrell, absent. Commissioner Peskin. Peskin, absent. Commissioner Tang. Aye. Saying aye. The minutes are approved. All right. Thank you. The meetings are approved. Item four, please. Item four, recommend appointment of two members to the Geary Corridor Bus Rapid Transit Citizens Advisory Committee. This is an action item. Thank you. We have Colin Dental Post, a senior transportation planner here. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, so this is item number four, page 19 of your packet. Uh, and as you know, I think the Geary Bus Rapid Transit Project, we're working to improve transit travel times and reliability, as well as implement pedestrian improvements along the Geary Corridor. And we're in the environmental review phase, so we uh, published our draft environmental document last fall, and we're currently working to incorporate uh, all of the comments that we received and release a final uh, to bring to uh, the board this fall. Uh, the project has a dedicated citizens advisory committee consisting of 13 members who serve in two-year terms, and you can find a list of the current members in the uh, attachment. And uh, those meetings happen about every two months. The structure of the seats is shown in, uh, in the attachment as well. The members serve either uh, appointed to serve a particular section of the corridor or at large. There are currently two vacancies due to expirations of two members' terms. Neither of those members is seeking appointment, uh, reappointment. Uh, one of the seats is for a uh, representative of the Richmond District, and the other seat is an at-large seat. We've received a total of 35 applications for the CAC. Of those, all of them are eligible to serve in the at-large seat. Uh, 30 of them are eligible to serve in the Richmond seat. And we've encouraged all of them to come today to say a few words about their uh, candidacies, which is optional but, uh, but not required. Uh, the information on all of the candidates can be found in the enclosure with your packet. Uh, and then, as a reminder, uh, staff does not recommend candidates, so it's uh, just up to you. Uh, so we're seeking a recommendation to appoint the two members to the CAC. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. So at this time, I wanted to see if there are any uh, applicants who happen to be here today for item four for the Gary Corridor BRT CAC. If any of you are up, please come on up and make a, a, a couple minute presentation as to why you'd like to serve on the CAC. And please uh, remember to state your name when you come up. Thank you. Yes, if you could just line up over there by this wall. I'm Neil Johnson. I've been a resident of the Bay Area since I was seven. I've been in San Francisco since I was since '92, and uh, I'm a daily rider of Muni. I also drive a car in San Francisco. I'm also I walked half the way here to this morning, so I'm also a pedestrian. And um, I was encouraged to apply for this to put my input into the planning of the Geary Corridor. And what I have to offer is I'm smart. I can read EIRs and documentation, understand what they're talking about. And I have a lot of different insights into different roles that people play along Geary. And I would like to get involved in this because I want to stop complaining about Muni and I want to do something constructive about Muni. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. Next applicant. Hi, my name is Nelson Bonilla. And uh, would you, sorry, if all the applicants can just speak directly into the right, microphone and bring it closer to you. Thank you. All right. Hi, my name is Nelson Bonilla. I've lived in the Richmond District for the last five years. I'm a daily Muni commuter. Um, I took Muni to get here, the 38. Um, I work downtown. I've, in the past, I've worked in Marin, so I've driven. I have a car. I drive and take the bus, so I feel like that gives me input into the different um, priorities that uh, are trying to be managed with the BRT project. Um, my family is from LA and there's a very successful BRT line there called the Orange Line, which I've ridden many times. So I have experience with the BRT form of transportation and I wanna give my input and um, bring a perspective of a commuter and a driver to try to make this the best project possible and make the transit times um, as fast as possible for you know the thousands of people that take the 38 every day. Okay. Thank you. Next applicant. Hi, my name is Asher Butnick. Um, I have lived in the Richmond District the entire time that I've been in San Francisco, and I don't own a car, so I'm entirely dependent on Muni. Um, I really think it's important to make this line work well, and I've been working with a number of different uh, transit advocates in District 1 um, over the past couple months to really um, try and make, get people excited about this line, and I think it's really important to make sure that everyone's voices are heard in the process, and I think that um, I could do a good job representing the riders of the line. Hello, my name is Rene Hinojosa. Um, I believe I'm number 10 on the list. And I'm here uh, for, for a few reasons. Um, number one, I've been living in the Richmond uh, for, and raising a family for about eight years now. Um, my son is in school, so of course, I'm interested in providing the, the quickest and safest transportation system for him um, in the Richmond district. Uh, secondly, I've, um, I've lived overseas in a lot of countries, a lot of cities where they have fantastic transportation systems. Um, I think that's uh, an area where I, I can add some value to the BRT um, program. 
And thirdly, I, I do have some experience with uh, public transportation and city traffic engineering. Uh, when I was at grad school in Monterey, I worked for the city traffic engineer there, um, <coughs> provided a, a lot of help to the staff there in coordinating meetings and, and minutes and working with the community. So it's something that I enjoyed and would enjoy getting back into. Um, and I believe those are all the reasons. Um, I understand there's two positions, one for the Richmond District, one for at-large. Um, I would prefer the Richmond District if I do get appointed um, because that's where I live, but the at-large position would be fine as well. Um, I think that's all I have to add here. Um, I hope uh, you will consider me for this position. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good morning. My name is, <clears throat> excuse me, my name is Sanford Kingsley. I'm a native of San Francisco and lifelong resident of the city, uh, 32 years in the Richmond District and a lifelong uni writer, including uh, many years on the 38, including yesterday. Um, this is a very important project. Uh, 50,000 people a day ride this bus. Uh, the Richmond District is one of the few uh, neighborhoods that doesn't have uh, access to a high-speed form of transit like BART or a streetcar. Um, but it's also a very complicated project. Uh, it, uh, uh, the median strip issues, the, 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 uh, the underpasses uh, west of Arguello, uh, most of the businesses that front are on, Mich on um, Geary Boulevard are owner-operated. They're mom-and-pop uh, uh, businesses. Uh, we have a few banks and some chains, but mo for the bulk of them, 80% of them are owner-operated. And um, it's important that this be a sustainable project. That is uh, something that the neighborhood doesn't <coughs> die off during the construction phase. Um, and, um, and that it still becomes an attractive place for people to go for uh, take care of their needs, go to the dry cleaners, go to the restaurants that, that line the boulevard. Uh, I'm a lawyer by training. Uh, I now have a full-time mediation practice. One of the things I do as a mediator is to make sure that all the participants in my mediation have their uh, voices heard. Uh, I think can add uh, to the process in that manner, make sure that uh, we can ensure a very transparent process where a lot of constituents, uh, all the constituents who want to speak can be heard and um, come up with a solution, ideally, that uh, meets the needs of all the parties concerned. So uh, I urge your, uh, you know, ur uh, urge your support for my candidacy. And I, like the previous speaker, I would be happy with either uh, position, either the at-large or the Richmond District position. Thank you. Thank you very much. My, my name is Thomas Ma. Uh, I moved to San Francisco in 1962 with my parents and siblings, and I went to school, uh, elementary school, junior high, high school in the Northeast District, and City College, and UC Berkeley. I got a civil engineering degree, uh, a bachelor's and master's degree in civil engineering, and I have been working for Bechtel Corporation in the downtown San Francisco continuously for 37 years. So right now, uh, I commute every day in the 38 bus to, to work. And on the weekends, I drive through the Gary, Gary Street, so I need <coughs> to have the driving and the bus they got to go smoothly. And I, within the company, I've been working on major projects, uh, 
both design build projects, and I also have some uh, experience in uh, construction support. So in summary, I grew up and educated near, in and near San Francisco. I work in San Francisco. I have experience um, related to construction projects, and I, I guess I, time's up. Uh, so, but uh, I have the vested interest to improve the Gary Street traffic now and into the future. And based on my education and ex work experience, I have the capability to understand and analyze different proposals. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Alexander Post. Um, I'm from Laurel Heights. I uh, appeared before this committee uh, last month at the April 17th hearing, so I will try not to repeat myself too much here. Um, but, and you have my application materials, but, but just in summary, uh, I am very passionate about public transportation and I have a particular interest, particular interest in the uh, Geary Street corridor uh, because I'm a regular user of the 38, 38L, 38BX, um, and I'm excited about the prospect of uh, rapid transit along the corridor. So I think that passion, uh, along with my legal and policy experience, will make me uh, an effective ambassador both uh, for the project and to the project to bring citywide concerns uh, to the advisory committee. Uh, and just on a practical note, I, I attended the uh, advisory committee meeting on April 28th, um, where they were actually one member short of a quorum, which uh, forced a significant delay. And, um, and they actually then lost the quorum before they were able to complete the agenda. And uh, because one of the agenda items was neighborhood outreach, the result of neighborhood outreach, you had many concerned citizens who'd taken time out to come to the meeting. Um, including representatives from two Japantown neighborhood groups, as well as um, representatives from Planning Association for the Richmond, uh, who are all understandably frustrated at the, uh, at the process. So I think uh, what this committee may need most of all is someone who is willing to take the committee and the project seriously. Uh, and if you appoint me, uh, I will be that person. Uh, and just a, a final note, I know the, the previous at-large uh, office holder, position holder, uh, was a Richmond resident, so I think it would be good to maybe diversify out the at-large position to um, other neighborhoods. Thank you for considering my candidacy. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, last call for any applicants who are here for item four. Okay. Seeing none, then um, colleagues, uh, I know that it is in our hands now. Commissioner Breed. Uh, we're, uh, she wanted to say something before we go to public comment, if that's okay. Um, I wanted to ask a question if I could be reminded of the people who were here um, at the last meeting as well. Do we have that information? I know it's in the minutes. Yes. And if you want to go to public comment, I can First, get the answers okay, thank of those you. back. And uh, just for uh, the public, we are also joined by Commissioners Aaron Peskin and Commissioners uh, Mark Farrell. So at this time, then we'll go to public comment first. Um, so this is for item four for the Gary BRTCAC. If anyone would like to come up and speak, please do so. Good morning, Commissioners. My name is Jackie Sachs. As you all know, I'm on the CAC. But there's one individual who has his, who has his, um, uh, his, his application in your packet that you've seen before, and that is Brian Larkin. 
He's also on the CAC. He was the chairperson that you've seen many times give the, give the CAC report when it, when it had to be done, this sort of thing. He was on the original CAC for the Geary Rapid Transit, for this Geary, this Geary project. In fact, I've known Brian since 1986 when we both wrote, we, we, were, were a group, we were with a group of people that wrote Prop B, the sales tax package that became Prop K that I helped pass later. And I, if you look at his, if you look at his, uh, uh, the experience that Brian has had working with transit, and his, and you, and you know that he is very vocal at our meetings regarding anything regarding the bus rapid transit, this sort of thing, and light, wanting to be light rail. I think you should consider him as your Richmond, your Richmond appointee because he is the one that really knows what's going on out there. He's, he's, I've known, like I said, I've known Brian for many years. I've known him since 1986, and I, can, I would appreciate if you'd appoint him for the Richmond representative, because he was on the original CAC years ago. Thank, Thank you. you. And, and just uh, one question for you, just only because I haven't heard from that applicant directly. Do you know if he still wants to? He still wants actually. I don't know if he wants it, but I know okay. he's very vocal in it, and he has very... He, he's very vocal in this in this project, as well as I am. Okay. Thank on the you. CAC. Thank, Thank you. you. Next speaker, please. Next speaker, please. Hi, Angelina Yu with Supervisor Mars office. Um, I'm here to extend his support for Asher Butnick for the Richmond seat um, to the Gary BR Gary BRTCAC. Um, Asher is a transit advocate who's been working uh, for an extensive period with the District 1 Transit uh, Riders Group, a group that's been formed uh, with uh, transit riders, bicycle and pedestrian advocates and leaders who've been really strategizing around what a good public transit looks like for the Richmond. Um, Supervisor Mar feels that Asher would really work to elevate the voices of transit riders in the neighborhood to make sure their voices are heard in this project. Um, he's incredibly uh, knowledgeable about the Gary Corridor as a whole. Um, as well as other BRTs and other cities. He's been taking the time to really look at uh, good transit in cities like Seattle and LA to borrow inspiration for how to enhance the project here in San Francisco. Um, more importantly, he's been an advocate that really is looking at not just the transit benefits, looking at addressing service gaps, connectivity, and reliability, but he's able to think really critically about the potential impacts of gentrification and what that looks like for the neighborhood and how this project can be about development without displacement. Um, he's incredibly passionate, invested, has a vested interest, both lives and works in the neighborhood, and so um, Supervisor Mar would like to extend his support for this candidate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are there any other members of the public who wish to comment on item four? Okay, seeing none, the public comment is closed. Commissioner Avalos. Thank you, um, and I want to thank everyone for their interest in wanting to serve on the Geary Bus Rapid Transit Citizens Advisory Committee, and clearly uh, with the at-large seats that we have a number of people who are very, very qualified and very interested in serving, and it's a very hard decision to decide uh, what to do. Um, but I do want to make sure that the supervisor, uh, Eric Marr, uh, he wanted to see uh, Asher Butnick uh, serve on the committee, and I think that is fitting for 
uh, the supervisor to be able to uh, re recommend uh, his appointment. And I know Asher has also done a lot of work with Supervisor Marr in pulling together a lot of residents and their input on the bus rapid transit. So he does have a lot of familiarity with the project. and It'll be great to see that continuation on the Citizens Advisory Committee. Um, as So I would like to recommend that motion that we accept him for uh, the Richmond seat for the CAC. Uh, other people that stood out for me, um, and everyone did, um, but more those who stood out more than others, uh, Nelson uh, Bonilla, who actually has some experience relative to uh, Los Angeles as well for bus rapid transit, uh, seemed to have a lot of interest. Um, Thomas Ma, uh, as well, just I think his engineering background is something that uh, is worth uh, considering for the committee. Uh, and uh, Alexander Post, are the ones that I, stood out for me and I'm not making a motion on that, but maybe just engaging in conversation about how we can come up with a selection. I don't want to wait any longer to keep these seats open. Thank you very much. Uh, Commissioner Breed. Thank you. Um, I would like to ask Asher Bodnick a question, please. Please come on up. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Um, can you tell me how long you've lived in San Francisco? I've lived here about three years. And how long have you been taking Muni? The entire time. Okay. Can you tell me specifically what projects related to transit that you've worked on with Supervisor Marr's office? Um, so I've, I've worked on um, helping uh, notify residents and get residents input on the Muni Forward changes that have happened um, since I've been volunteering with the office uh, starting in last August. So that included um, working on the 28R reroute and the 2 Clement reroute, um, although the 2 Clement reroute did get postponed, um, and kind of talking to residents and making sure they understand the project and kind of making sure they understand the purpose of it. And then I've also been working um, on the QEBRT, talking to local businesses to make sure that they understand the project and that their concerns are heard, and also talking to a lot of local residents, um, both in the D1 Transit Advocacy Group and then also um, other times people contact our office or reaching out to different people. And before that, um, were you involved in transit-related issues in other cities, and can you give me some examples? No, I've always been a transit writer, but this is the first time that I've gotten involved in organizing our advocacy. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Farrell? Yeah, I just, uh, to oh. echo uh, Supervisor Avalos's comments. I wanted to. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Commissioner Breed. Thank you. Um, so, you know, actually, um, I would like an opportunity because it means a lot to me that so many people came forward um, to speak, and I would like an opportunity to, even though I've read through um, the applications, <coughs> it's great to associate the applications with the comments of the people who came here, and I'm definitely more inclined to support someone who came here, and I would like an opportunity to maybe review those applications based on not only the individuals who came here today, but the individuals who came here the last time. Um, I definitely um, would say that, you know, from my perspective, um, although um, I definitely will honor and, and support the recommendation of the District 1 supervisor, um, here we have a number of candidates who have taken Muni and been in the city in some cases their entire lives and we're choosing, you know, no disrespect um, to Mr. Butner, Nick, sorry if I butchered your name, someone who's only been here and taken transit for the past three years. Um, I do think it's a mistake. 
And again, you know, in this particular case, you know, normally our process is to honor and respect, you know, what is suggested by the District 1 supervisor, which is the only reason why I plan to appoint or support that recommendation. But I definitely don't think it's fair for many of the applicants who definitely have significant engineering experience, significant experience with understanding and being actively engaged in transit in our city. And this is going to make this choice even that much harder. But I will say that definitely a number of individuals stood out. Mr. Rene Hanojosa, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name because I'm really terrible with pronouncing names. Sanford Kingsley, Thomas Ma, Alexander Post, as well as, yeah, those are the main people who stood out for me. And I would like an opportunity to just, which will take some time, to just take a quick look, make these appointments today, of course, but take a look at their applications as it relates to the folks who showed up here today in order to make a good decision for this committee. And I will say that what I do appreciate most are individuals who express a sincere desire to serve, but more importantly, to show up at the meetings and to respect. I think it was Alexander Post who talked about going to the last meeting. And, you know, basically there is business to be conducted, and it is important that we take that seriously, especially when people from the public take time out of their schedules to attend those meetings. We ought to respect that. And so I do want to move forward with this process today, but I would ask my colleagues if it's possible to make the decision later on in the agenda as I review this to decide exactly what I think is, you know, what my preference is. Okay. So, well, I'm going to go to Commissioner Farrell first, and then maybe you can discuss whether to postpone this until later in the agenda. Thanks, Madam Chairwoman. So I would just say first to echo Supervisor Avalos' comments about Supervisor Maher's recommendation for the Richmond seat. I think that's fully appropriate. We definitely want to honor that. And then in terms of the at-large seats, I would say from my perspective, I think especially to me, I think it's Mr. Kingsley, Mr. Post have come now twice in a row, and I think that does demonstrate some commitment level here that I would like to honor as well. So those would be my thoughts in terms of discussion for us, but happy to do whatever the committee likes in terms of moving forward right here. All right. Thank you very much. Commissioner Zavalos or Peskin, do you have any objections to continuing this item until later in the agenda? Okay. All right. So we'll continue this until later in the agenda. Thank you to all the applicants who are here today. I do agree that at least for the at-large seat, it is a really difficult decision because everyone has such varied backgrounds. You know, I see attorneys here. I see mediator. I see engineers, advocates, transit writer advocates. There's so many different backgrounds that we could choose from. So we'll get back to that hopefully shortly. So at this moment, then, I'm going to go back to item two because Chris Wadling, our CAC chair, is here. Welcome. I apologize, commissioners, for being late. Arrived without my bike lock key. So regarding item number five on today's agenda, the $9.6 million for Prop K, P-1 
Peter Sachs, uh, regarding the bike lanes on Arguello, uh, was given assurances that the highest degree of safety was being applied to the street by installing buffered bike lanes instead of uh, what he considered a preferred barrier protected lanes. Uh, my concern with that project was um, with the spending of so much money on paint treatments that would be re reapplied within uh, a year or two, thus doubling the paint costs. Um, but uh, Public Works needs to have that delay, and um, Supervisor Marr apparently uh, requested that those stripes be, uh, or those bike lanes be put in place uh, now as a safety precaution, uh, and the extra cost was worth it. And then Jackie Sachs, who is here today, uh, was also given assurances that signal timing on the crosswalks would be taken into consideration, and that all intersections would be accommodate, accommodate the standard pedestrian speed of two and a half miles an hour. During public comment, it was suggested that a more conservative 1.5 mile per hour speed be considered. Uh, this is what Caltrain typically uses, apparently, um, and so it's something that we uh, may want to think about uh, for the disabled members of our, our community, uh, especially in areas uh, around churches where we may, or, or senior homes where we may have more disabled people. Um, and uh, we also heard that churches in the area may not have been contacted sufficiently as part of the outreach. So I just want to make sure that uh, outreach is being done on these projects uh, sufficiently. Uh, regarding the trolley bus purchase, um, CAC member Myla Ablog uh, wanted assurances that these new trolley buses would be able to make it up our hills. She had read in an examiner article that uh, previous models of these buses could not make it up our hills, and so uh, she was given assurances that they could. Uh, finally, item number six, the radio replacement project on your uh, agenda. Uh, Peter Sachs described problems in the air traffic control industry, of which he's a part, where Harris, which is MTA's uh, sole bid contractor, seemed to strategically underbid and then expand the scope of these projects that they work on, uh, thus increasing costs. And so um, for us to be aware of that and to, to keep uh, our eyes on that. Unfortunately, Harris was the only bidder on this project and came in about 40% over SFMTA's uh, project estimate. Um, and this initially caused about a year's worth of delays in getting the, um, the contract out. So uh, that's all I have. Are there any questions? Great. Thank you for your presentation. And I see that our District 4 CAC member is very vocal about he's, any of these items, which is great. He's been awesome. Yeah. Yes. Uh, any questions, comments from colleagues? Okay. Seeing none, then we're going to go to public comment on item 2. Any members of the public who wish to speak? Seeing none, public comment is closed. And that was an information item. Now we will go to item five. Item and, no, sorry, go ahead. Item five, recommend allocation of 9,599,451 in Prop K funds with conditions for three requests subject to the attached fiscal year cash flow distribution schedules. This is an action item. Thank you. And it looks like uh, we have a different <laughs> I don't presenter like today. Okay, Maria Lombardo. <laughs> Good morning, Chief Deputy. And pardon mm -hmm. me, I left my reading glasses, but I, I think I can... Uh, work through here with three allocations that you have before you. Thank you, Yvette. Right, zoom right along here. So the, the first allocation, I always like to start vehicle allocations with, there is nothing more effective we can do to improve community service mm -hmm. than to buy new vehicles, whether it's replacing old ones that have reached the end of their useful life, which is the um, project that's before you today, or buying expansion vehicles. Um, and this is also why the largest programmatic category in Prop K is for vehicle replacement, pr primarily for Muni, but also a little bit for BART and Caltrain. So this project um, before you is a combined allocation recommendation for $5 million in Prop K funds that would leverage about $20 million in federal funds to replace 14 60-foot trolley coaches that have reached the end of their useful life. 
There's also a commitment to allocate about another $6 million, um, and that's a commitment only because the Metropolitan Transportation Commission has yet to program the matching federal funds that's anticipated to take place sometime this fall, and the meeting would come back to us afterwards for the rest of the allocation. And because this is a little bit blurry on this screen, but... There's a, I know, a great deal of interest in this right now because Muni or SFMTA is in a major effort to replace its entire rubber tire fleet as well as an, um, the light rail vehicles. This chart shows you from left to right motor coaches, trolley buses, light rail vehicles, and paratransit. And even if you can't quite read it, the top of the bar is the number of vehicles planned to be replaced. Then the purple part is how many have been ordered already. And then the dark blue on the bottom um, are ones that have been delivered to date. So you'll see, we've, as you've seen probably on the streets, we have a lot of new motor coaches. Trolley buses are just coming in. There's about 36 that have been accepted. Um, and the light rail vehicles, and Jonathan Ruiz can correct me if I'm wrong here, I think the prototype is due to come in at the end of the year. So we haven't started paying for those yet, but they'll be coming soon. Um, this is a really neat graphic, and I thank MTA for helping us confirm the data. Um, it is a line item that we leverage an enormous amount of funds. So of the $300 million in Prop K sales tax that we've already allocated, that's leveraging about $1.7 billion. And we'll keep this up to date, if not monthly, at least quarterly on our website. The next allocation is for a little merry-go-round that's happening that you've probably seen in your role as Board of Supervisors where the MTA um, is planning to vacate 1401 Bryant, which will become um, the new location for animal care and control facility. And to make that happen, a long-term project is finally happening at a pretty quick pace, and that is renovating the Burke facility. So this project, um, right now, the building serves as the central warehouse for like maintenance parts for, for Muni, and they ship them out to the other shops as needed from here. So about half the building will be renovated to be <clears throat> more efficient um, and effective for that central warehouse function. The other half will be retrofitted to house the overhead lines crew, which is currently um, working or housed at the 1401 Bryant location. Uh, there's 14, 14, sorry, $4.4 million in Prop K funds recommended. Most of the rest of the $30 million project costs will be paid for by the MTA's um, general share of the Prop A general obligation bonds. I would just note um, that this project does face a couple of challenges. One is a very tight timeline. It also has to um, undergo the construction work while keeping the facility open for use because it can't shut down the overhead warehouse. Um, they're using a construction manager general contractor type um, approach, which makes sense. Basically, you bring the contractor on during the design phase, and the idea is that with the contractor knowledge there, you end up with design specs that are more constructible and have less issues so that we can meet the tight deadline. So we've got a few folks on staff who are developing expertise in this delivery area, and they're going to help support the project team by serving um, on the, the project team meetings. And last but not least, whoops. We have, if I can do this right, one of the first NTIP, the Neighborhood Transportation Improvement Program planning efforts from District 1 has resulted in a capital project, which this is. It is for some, this request is for some near-term bicycle improvements on Arguello Boulevard between Fulton and West Pacific Avenue. These are things like, there's already a bike lane, but adding some striping to make it a, with a two-foot buffered bike lane, doing daylighting at intersections and adding some continental crosswalks. There is a paving project that could happen as soon as 2017, but that schedule is a little bit in flux. Um, so the MTA and Commissioner Marr have supported going ahead with these improvements that could be in place as soon as August 2016 this summer. 
Um, and then when the paving project comes in, it will replace those improvements and also add additional improvements such as green paint actually in some of the bike lanes. So I will just end with that right there. We've got project sponsor staff here if you have any questions. Thank you. I just wanted to uh, bring up some of the comments that were raised by the CAC chair. Um, one was about the concern regarding the safety of the bike lanes. I mean, I know that this is um, kind of what we've typically seen, but there was a, uh, I guess, a request about buffered um, bike lanes. And so is the, after the repaving is done, is there um, plans to create a buffered bike lane or just keep it the same as this? Paint so on the ground. Charlie Ream here, MTA wants to step up. The explanation we got at CAC, though, is generally MTA goes in with a, a lower or lighter touch um, improvement. So this will be a buffered bike lane, but it's paint buffered as opposed to physically separated. And I think that was the CAC member's um, comment. He observed, like on Valencia, it doesn't stop cars from moving mm -hmm. in and out. Yeah, the question that the Citizens Advisory Committee was regarding the possibility of installing um, physically separated or parking separated bike lanes. Um, it was something that we investigated. Um, in this case, it just um, wasn't deemed feasible and we're looking at kind of an incremental upgrade to stripe um, a painted buffer zone on the existing bike lanes, um, promote visibility and to narrow down some kind of over wide vehicle travel lanes on the street as a way to take that space. Okay. Um, there was also another um, Concern raised by the CAC regarding putting in the paint before the paving, which is anticipated for 2017, but we never know if it'll be pushed back further. Um, can you just tell us what the cost is for uh, the painting of the temporary ones before they have to be removed? Yeah, sure. I think the total cost is about $190,000. Um, Arguello is a cyclist high injury corridor. Um, these are improvements that you know we can put in um, today um, to promote safety on the street. Uh, we are taking measures wherever possible to um, be efficient with what we're doing and um, only grinding out what is necessary, only making changes that can be made with a, a bare minimum of cost at this point. And during this time before the road resurfacing happens, um, I guess, will there be some sort of uh, trial observation of how the bike lane is working on Arguello just to make sure that it is actually uh, safe for bikers there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're making you know several improvements along the corridor. The bike lanes are one of them, and some other um, you know pedestrian island and safety upgrades uh, to the south. And we're going to be monitoring and evaluating everything that we put in um, and making changes to the design as needed um, for after the paving project. Okay, great. Thank you. Any colleagues? Any other questions or comments on item five? Okay. All right. Seeing none, I would just say that. Um, you know, since this is NTIP funding requests and it's coming directly from uh, Commissioner Marr, you know, I'd be inclined to uh, support his choice to put the bike lanes in before the road resurfacing occurs. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, I understand his perspective that uh, encouraging safety at this point, uh, even before uh, the road resurfacing is well worth the investment. So um, at this time, then I guess there are no other further comments. Um, going back to the Muni um, or the the trolley coaches allocation, I really appreciate, it's just a comment, not a question, but I really appreciate the laying out um, of the chart of what we have planned, what we've ordered, and what we've already received. So thank you for that information. Okay. So at this time, then I'm going to go to public comment on item five. Any members of the public who wish to speak on item five, please come on up. Okay. Seeing none, public comment is closed. 
All right, so now it sounds like we can go back to item four, which is about the Gary BRTCAC. Commissioner Avalos. We'll take, um, we'll take a vote on item five. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, let's do that. That's more important. So a motion to, uh, to move Item forward. five, going back. It's a motion to uh, approve and move forward with recommendation. All right, thank and you, Commissioner Avalos. The House has changed. The House has changed, so we're going, and we have a second for that. Yes, thank you. Second by Commissioner Breed, and if we can take a roll call on right. item five. On item five, Commissioner Avalos? Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Breed? Aye. Breed, aye. Commissioner Farrell? Aye. Farrell, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Tang? Aye. Tang, aye. The item is approved. Thank you. Item five is passed. Now we will go back to item four, the Gary BRTCAC. Com uh, Commissioner Breed? Thank you, and I want to thank everyone um, who came out here today, and thank you so much for your patience. Um, we have so many wonderful applicants, and oftentimes it's really hard to make um, decisions about really important uh, committees of this nature, and what I try to look for is commitment, and I, I also try to look for, you know, how long people have been in the city to understand it, and especially around public transportation, um, how long they've taken it, and, and how can they lend the kind of voice that we need in order to make it better. It's not just going to be made better because of the Board of Supervisors or because of the Transportation Authority or because of advocates. It has to include the people who ride Muni every single day as well and everyone with different knowledge, whether it's an engineer, a lawyer, um, a bus driver, or just, you know, a regular citizen um, in our city, you know, all of those uh, opinions about their experiences are important um, to have to make sure that we have those individuals seated at the table making the decision but also respecting the process and uh, serving in a way that respects the public um, and is prepared to come roll up your sleeves do the work necessary because it is a commitment and I, I am truly grateful and this is why I'm always um, appreciative of people who take time out of their schedules to come to these meetings um, and to uh, present before us to express an interest in serving and so I'm always more inclined to support a candidate that shows up here today and I take this very seriously and with that um, one name definitely um, stood out um, and I'd like to, for the at-large seat, make a motion to move forward uh, Mr. Alexander Post. Um, uh, my colleague, Supervisor Avalos and Supervisor Farrell, both mentioned this individual as a standout candidate, so I'd be um, very much inclined to move this name forward, and I hope my colleagues would consider supporting that. Thank you, Commissioner Breed. Um, I mean, I would be supportive of, again, uh, Commissioner Marr's uh, suggestion for Asher Butnick, um, again, out of deference to the district supervisor. Um, and then I'd be happy to also support uh, Mr. Post. I did like that he has been showing up to the CAC meetings, even though he's not even yet a, a member there. Commissioner Avalos? Thank you. I, d I did motion on Supervisor uh, Mars recommendation. I don't think it was seconded, but I did motion that. No, and I'm happy to, or um, we'll do Commissioner uh, Farrell second that, and can we take that one without objection then? Okay. So we are we have confirmed Asher Butnick to the District 1 uh, seat for the BRTCAC. Now for the at-large seat, do we have a motion um, I made Commissioner motion. Breed, second by Commissioner Farrell, and we can take that without objection as well? Okay, great. So congratulations, Mr. Post. 
Okay, so uh, we are, that was item four, and now we will go to item six. Item six, major capital projects update, Muni radio replacement project. This is an information item. Thank you. We have Larice uh, Zarinaga, is that correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Good morning, uh, Chair Tang, Commissioners. Luis Rinaga, I am a project management oversight consultant to the authority. Uh, I am joined here today by Jen Ming Fong, who is the project manager for this project from the MTA. Uh, the uh, radio project is intended to modernize uh, the communication system for Muni. Um, the systems that are in place now are 40 years old. And as you know, in this age in which technology uh, becomes obsolete on an annual basis, uh, Muni is forced to be working with technology that is from the 70s. Uh, the project is a lot more than just radio. The radio is really the backbone that is used to overlay intelligent transportation systems, uh, such as vehicle health monitoring, automatic vehicle locator, uh, incident management, uh, and uh, dynamic vehicle announcements and such that are intended to improve the service and dependability of the system. The project has been delivered by means of a design-build contract, uh, which was awarded in 2012 uh, to Harris Corporation. Uh, right now, the project uh, is in the started its testing stage. Uh, the mini fleet testing is underway. Uh, and they are hoping to start with the vehicle equipment installation in June. So once we start in June with the vehicle installation, uh, the LRV factory tasting will also take in June, and those vehicles will start getting uh, their equipment installed in September. And finally, uh, the historic fleet will take place between January and March. The project budget, as you see here, is $126 million. Um, and this is uh, an increase of $11.6 million over the 2012 budget, which was set at the time of the contract award. That number was 114 million. Uh, the cost increases uh, have a, a variety of issues. Some of them were unforeseen conditions. They were uh, the project ended up being more complex because of the variety of vehicles that Muni utilizes, and they also have some uh, contracting. Um, I'm sorry, uh, they had staffing issues. Um, apparently. <laughs> <clears throat> the uh, technology sector has been poaching uh, the employees of the contractor. This budget represents a 5% contingency. Prop K is the biggest contributor to the project, contributing 48% of the budget, $61 million, 61.7. Uh, to date, MTA has only incurred $24 million in expenditures of which only uh, 4.4 million has been uh, invoiced to date. And um, in addition to the delays that the project has, has had, it's also the structure of the contract. The contract is scheduled 
in payments that are based on milestone achievements. Uh, most contracts are based on monthly progress payments, but this contract is based on, on uh, milestones. So until the contractor reaches a milestone, they don't get paid for that work. And also, uh, the, the invoicing to the Transportation Authority has been low because, uh, you know, Muni has elected to use other funds first, uh, which have timely use of fund deadlines and such, which is a practice that the Transportation Authority encourages because allows for uh, to reduce the Prop K financing cost, uh, allowing for more funds to remain for projects. The system is expected to be fully operational in March, this coming March. Uh, this is 18 months later than the original schedule. We already talked about the, prop, the problem that they had with the delays. As far as the disadvantaged businesses and small business program, <coughs> um, I'm happy to report that uh, the project has a, a, a goal of 15%. However, uh, up to date, 32% of the billings have been to small businesses. The remaining challenges of this project uh, in service date is 18 months later than anticipated, uh, which basically has affected uh, the final transfer of operations uh, to the new transportation management center. Uh, that facility has been completed for a while now, and it will come into full operation only after the radio uh, project is completed. And in order to meet that date, uh, bus installation has to start in June of this year. Uh, important to notice that uh, the MTA has uh, scheduled a series of testing systems and tracing uh, because they want to make sure that the rollout is uh, smooth. And that, that concludes my presentation. If you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer them. Thank you. Commissioner Avalos? Thank you. Um, this is an information item, but um, I'm just a little bit um, confused about um, since there is an increase in the project costs, where, where, where was the approval that came from the Transportation Authority? Commission to uh, allow for that cost increase. The um, the budget went up, but not the contribution from Prop K. Uh, the the funds came out from the uh, SFMTA uh, revenue bonds. <coughs> That's where the uh, the eleven million dollars shortfall was. Uh, so that we, we had approved as the Board of Supervisors that increase to the revenue bond or those approvals? It was, it was part of the revenue bond, okay. yes. Okay, thank you. Okay, Commissioner Peskin. No, I just wanted to say that this project has been a long time in coming. It is amazing that that facility has been kept together with <laughs> shoestring and bubble yes, gum and duct tape, and it is long overdue, and it is time to bring that thing into the dawn of the 21st century. <laughs> You're here. Thank you, Commissioner Peskin. And I was actually. Um, you on the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually going to ask just for the public's um, knowledge. I mean, this is a very large project that has spanned many, many years. <clears throat> if you could just explain 
um, the significance of this project and how it would actually help impact or improve um, the experience for transit riders? Well, um, uh, the, the main the main uh, <coughs> benefit for this project from this project is reliability. Uh, right now, for example, the system that is in place you cannot buy rep uh, replacement parts for. Uh, Muni has to buy equipment that has been decommissioned from other facilities in order to cannibalize them uh, for parts. And in some cases, that's not even enough. They actually have to make parts at their shop, uh, which is, uh, like uh, uh, Commissioner Peskin said, it's, it's just miraculous the way, what, the way they have been they've functioning been, with They've this. been cannibalizing parts from L.A.'s old system that L.A. threw away, and they drive down to L.A., and they cannibalize parts off of that old system. Yes. And so, but, but in addition to that, uh, the different systems, for example, uh, the vehicle locator, the automatic vehicle locator, it'll allow um, the control center to know at any time where each vehicle is. And basically when they, for example, when they see there's bunching, they can alert the drivers as you're bunching up, you know, back off a little bit so that you can get more separation between the vehicles. And the same thing with some that are maybe behind schedule. Uh, the vehicle health monitoring will also help uh, reliability because they'll be able to tell in real time from the control center if there's an issue with the vehicle so they can pull it out of service uh, before causing problems uh, for the passengers. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you for that uh, update. Again, we all look forward to this project's completion next year. All right, so uh, Commissioner Avalos. Yeah, just a reminder, um, my office had requested a tour, and I think there are other offices as well that would like to get a tour of the facilities. Um, so look forward to that later, later we'll this have to uh, that, spring. Yes. Thanks. Thank you very much. So uh, are there any um, public comments on item six? Please come on up. Uh, those of us who are alive, know what happened when 9-11 took place. So um, I know some of y'all are making remarks that this is long overdue, and um, the person who gave the presentation never once mentioned safety. So uh, y'all would not like that your computers have a software like Windows 95, <coughs> right? And that's what's happening here. So. Uh, the mayor, and there are some supervisors, uh, they vouch for better buses, modern buses, but our uh, communication system is primitive. And uh, whenever such presentations are given, we need some evaluation from some experts. So we, we know that uh, we have to go to other agencies as far as LA and other places to, uh, to get parts, but people at home should know how stupid we are that in the year 2016, we don't have a communication system that works. And so the responsibility of such a thing kind of falls a little bit on the Board of Supervisors who represent. Now we have, uh, uh, today is a very hot day and we've, we've had five, six, seven buses break down, new buses. I would like the mayor to know this. I would like the supervisors who
who bought this new buses on board to know this. So what we are having here is um, um, the San Francisco County, County Transportation Authority, and earlier you all spoke about some candidates. This candidate should know about this. I've been attending these meetings from, I don't know, Maria Lombardi will tell you from, I don't know when. And it's not just attending it, it's, it's about doing something about it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Any members of the public who wish to speak on item six, please come on up. Seeing none, public comment is closed. And colleagues, that was an information item. So now we'll go on to item seven. Item seven, update on the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency's bike program. This is an information item. Thank you, we have Jamie Parks from SFMTA. Before uh, he starts, just this uh, item that I called for, especially as we're seeing that bike share programs start to expand across the city, I want to make sure that we're linking up our building out of our bike strategy and our facilities across the city as well. And uh, I think that this presentation is very timely as we see the bike share program starting to proceed. Welcome. Thank you. Great. And if colleagues have, sorry, any other questions as well, um, Emily Stapleton is also here from Motivate. Thank you. Right. Uh, thank you, Commissioners. Again, I'm Jamie Parks. I'm a section leader with Sustainable Streets at the SFMTA and also manage the Bicycle Capital Program. And I'm here at the request of Commissioner Avalos to provide an overview of the um, bicycle program that we have currently and with a particular focus on the results of the Prop K allocation we got for bicycle strategy uh, scoping last year and how that's figuring into our overall program. Um, before I get started, background on me, since I don't think I've met most of you before. I've um, been with the city for about six months, came over from the city of Oakland, so I'm really excited to be at MTA, wow, working with the great staff there and, and learning a new city. And on a, on a personal note, I haven't owned a car for the last 15 years. I get around by walking, biking, and transit, so working in a city that takes its transit-first policy so seriously is, is really personally gratifying to me. Uh, I'd like to start with the SFMTA strategic plan. Uh, like pretty much everything that the SFMTA does, the bicycle program takes its guidance from the strategic plan. In particular, the strategic plan lays out four core goals for the agency, two of which are especially important for bicycling. One of those is to make sure that less than 50% of the trips taken in the city of San Francisco are by private automobiles. And the mode split goals associated with that show that in order to do that, we think that 8 to 10% bicycling is, is a key part of that goal. And so increasing bicycling is a key, key, key portion of reducing the private auto trips. The goal about safety is a little bit general in the strategic plan, but um, we're lucky that we were able to take our guidance from the Vision Zero commitment that the city has made to eliminate fatalities and serious injuries on our streets by 2024. And this. This plays a major role for the bicycle program in two different ways. One is that analysis shows that about 70% of the severe crashes on our streets take, take place on just 12% of the overall network. And so, so when we're thinking about focusing our engineering resources, that's where we look. And it's really important for us to remember that these are not just lines on a map. Each of these lines represents multiple real people who were killed and maimed in traffic. And what's, what's, I think, even more unsettling is that those lines on the map represent future people that, that will be injured on the streets unless we do something. And so that's, that's really a focus for everything that we do, is looking at this map and figuring out what we, what we can do to, to improve safety. 
And the second way that it influences what we're doing in the bicycle program is recognizing that while we may have a project that's a bicycle project, if we're on a, if whatever street we're on, we, we need to make sure that we improve safety for everybody. So we work very closely with you know, our pedestrian group or transit group to make sure that anytime we touch a street, it's not just bicycle safety we're improving, it's pedestrian safety and the safety of everybody who's, who's using the street. So, so with mode shift and vision zero as kind of our guiding framework, we're, we're also lucky that we're not starting from scratch. A lot of the work that we're, we're doing right now, or I guess the 2009 bike plan really serves as kind of the bedrock foundation of, of the bicycle network in the city. Uh, I'm happy to report that that plan is substantially complete and implementation over 95% of the projects are done and it's resulted in over 120 lane miles of bike, bicycle facilities in the city, one of the highest rates of, of lane miles per square mile of, of any city in the country. We also haven't stood still as the state of the art for bicycle facility design has progressed. Since 2009, the, the state of practice in San Francisco has progressed along with it. And so facilities like the parking protected bike lane on 13th Street, the median protected bike lanes on Fallon Oak, and the recently installed separated bicycle signal at Folsom and Essex are all examples of San Francisco continuing to lead the way with, with innovation and, and new facilities. And, the, and we're seeing great results from these efforts. San Francisco currently has the third highest rate of bicycle commuting of, of any large city in the country. And when you look at where we've invested in facilities over the last few years, you can see the, the, the bicycling is expanding along with the facilities that, that we're investing in. And so that's great, but that also means that even though we're at 4% and that's third in the country, that's only half of what we need to be to meet our strategic plan goal of 8 to 10% for bicycling. And so what I want to talk to you today, about, today more about is where, what we're going to do going forward to make sure that we achieve those goals. In particular, we rely on the bicycle strategy that the MTA put together and supported the strategic plan to take a look at what it would really take to make San Francisco a world leader in bicycling, including the community support it would take, um, building more protected facilities, and importantly, what type of funding levels are required from, to, to build out a system like this, looking at cities around the world that we could really emulate. As part of the bicycle strategy, we identified 69 new corridors for bicycle investment. And I should point out that these are corridors in the most loosely defined term as in terms of general connections between two different points. And the specific streets were not identified. The specific facility types were not identified. The exact endpoints were not identified. And that's really where the $2,000 of Prop K money that we um, allocated last year came, came in. That, that allowed us to begin scoping each of these corridors and understand a little bit more what, what each of them could be so they become a little bit more than, than just lines on a map. What we did with, the, with that scoping exercise is spent about 10 hours on each corridor. That's not a lot of time, but it is enough time to bring every single corridor in there up to the same level of information, which included a field visit, analysis of data that happens to be available, to understand what the what the approximate limits of the corridor are likely to be, if there are parallel routes that may make sense for bicycle facilities, what types of facilities may make sense, and, and the constraints that we're likely to face as we move forward. And that really figured into a prioritization of all the corridors that allowed us to move forward with our uh, fiscal year 17 to 21 CIP, which was recently adopted. And what we tried to do through all the analysis that we collected was come up with a balanced project mix 
Um, of course, focusing on the high energy network and where we can do the most to improve safety, but also <coughs> making sure that we have a mix of project complexity. We don't want to take on all of the most complex projects at once because then we won't have anything to build for the next four years. So we want to have some low-hanging fruit, but also some of the more complicated ones initially. Uh, we want to match you know, the project costs to the funding that we have available. And then we also you know, mentioned the most goal of trying to create a, a network of bicycle facilities that connects the entire city. So we want to make sure that we have facilities that are in all parts of the city in our CIP. And sorry, by facilities, do you mean uh, bike parking, bike, I don't know. So, so right, right now, I'm just talking about corridor projects in terms of um, like on-street facilities. But I also want to mention bike parking and bike share and bike wayfinding a little bit later on as well. OK, great. I'll get back to you on that then. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the map here generally shows where we anticipate corridor improvements based on what's programmed in the CIP and other major capital projects that we have in process, such as Masonic Avenue, um, the Arguello improvements that, that you just approved earlier today, and so on. And so we do have a, about a, roughly 20 corridors that are included in the CIP that would begin planning soon, repre representing about $90 million of, of work over the next five years. In particular, and I think it's a little hard to see, but the green lines on the map represent what we're calling neighborhood greenways, and that's a, a relatively new concept in San Francisco, but something that we're, we're promoting more going forward is the use of low-volume local streets that are parallel to more major routes and prioritizing those for bicycling. So an example of that would be 20th Avenue. Rather than trying to shoehorn bicycles onto 19th Avenue where there's not space and it's going to be very difficult, instead making 20th Avenue the clear connection that, that makes a lot of sense. And so we have a number of those green lines where we think those make sense, and, and, and we're calling those neighborhood greenways. And a question on that, because I know that uh, there was a, a huge interest in creating better north-south connectors in the west side. So, for example, instead of using Sunset Boulevard, um, using 34th Avenue instead. Uh, but are, is MTA going to be doing more to highlight the fact that um, that is a bike route instead of just putting these kind of white-painted sharrows on the ground? Yes. Yeah, so... So 20th Avenue is included in the CIP for, for significant investments, whether it's um, sharrows, but also crossing improvements at major streets and so on. But all of our bicycle network will be getting new wayfinding signs. So we have about 1,200 wayfinding signs that so we'll be going out to cover the citywide network, including 30, 34th Avenue and, and other streets like that. And what is the timing expected for that? Um, we just put our first... 12 signs in the inner sunset last week as sort of a, te a test case for working with our shops and, and rolling out the process. But the entirety of the program, the 1,200 signs, will be rolled out over roughly the next 18 months. And they'll be going in in batches starting later this summer. Okay. And then, I mean, are you doing anything different in terms of the ground treatment, or is it just going to be – I mean, right now it's – I mean, you can barely tell that it's uh, supposed to be that north-south connector, for example, on 34th Avenue. So right now, 34th Avenue is not programmed as, in terms of a near-term priority. It is part of the overall bicycle network, and so it could be incorporated into later rounds of the CIP. 20th Avenue in the sunset is the one that is the street that we were going to focus our initial resources on. Okay. Well, I, I would like to follow up with you on the 34th Avenue sure. um, issue just because we had brought this up uh, internally uh, last year or before that. So I'd like some movement on it. Sure. Okay. And then I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about some of the other efforts that make up our bicycle program. 
uh, many of which are funded by Prop K and, and Transportation Fund for, for Clean Air that come through the, the TAs and the, the Planning and Programming Committee. And I think a, a lot of times it's the major improvements that we do on, on streets like Polk Street or Masonic that get most of the attention. But I want to make sure that we, we're highlighting all the other supporting work that we do that really make a, a full bicycle program. So bicycle spot improvements is something that we're really proud of, our ability to identify you know, safety improvements or low-hanging fruit throughout the city based on whether it's our staff noticing it or um, requests that we get from the Bike Coalition or citizens and being able to act um, immediately rather than waiting years. And so examples are the recent buffered bike lanes that went on, on Harrison Street near 16th just a, a few weeks ago, uh, the left side bike lane on Page Street approaching Octavium, and, and things like that. That's something that we're continuing to do to make sure that we're not waiting years for major improvements. We, we can get out there with our shops and, and do things quickly as well. Um, bike share, I think... Um, you're, you're pretty familiar with this, but wanted to mention, of course, that we've had a pilot system in the ground since 2013, but we're preparing for a major expansion of over 1,000% that would bring about 4,500 bikes and more than 300 stations uh, throughout San Francisco. And um, Emily Stapleton from Motivate is here as well and can answer additional questions about bike share if needed. Bike parking is a very important part of what we do. If you don't have a place to put your bike when you get where you're going, the, the trip's not going to work for you. Uh, we have a sidewalk rack and on-street corral program that's by request. So businesses re request um, racks or corrals online, and we can get out there and, and typically within 90 or 120 days and install those racks. Uh, we're also just getting into... Oh, no, we're, we're just getting into proactively uh, going out to business <laughs> communities that may not know about the program and identifying great locations for racks as well. And long-term bike parking is something we've talked about for a while. Uh, we are in the process now of starting evaluations of specific sites, including at, at West Portal for, for long-term bike parking stations to, to figure out how we can um, create an operating model that, that works with our revenue streams. Bicycle wayfinding, I already talked about this a little bit, but just generally we want to replace the existing route number signs that are out there throughout the city. They were a great idea when they started, but it turns out that people don't really think about bicycling in terms of the route number that they're on. They think about it in terms of the destination, where they're going, how long it's going to take them to get there. And so we're in the process of installing 1,200 signs throughout the city over the next 18 months. That's That'll cool. cover every, every bike route throughout the city. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're really excited about, about, <laughs> about that, that project. And then last, um, this, this is not the, the portion of the program that I work in most most closely, but in addition to the capital improvements, we do spend uh, a fair amount of time working on education and encouragement to make sure that people know about bicycling and that it's a great option and that they know how to do it safely. And so classes for children, for adults learning to ride, as well as sponsorship of Bike to Work Day are all part of what we do. And so, so that's, that's a quick overview. Uh, in terms of our next steps, I did mention that we do have a lot of projects that were included in the, the CIP that will start July 1st, and so there's a lot of community work that's coming up to plan each of those corridors to make sure that each of, each of those facilities and those projects uh, reflect the, the neighborhood's needs, and so that, that planning effort will, for each of those corridors will be kind of getting rolling later this year and in, into next year. So we have a lot of community planning coming up in the bike program. 
Thank you for your presentation. Um, one of the things I did want to follow up on is regarding bike parking. Um, so our office had sent over, for example, a list of all the commercial corridor spaces that we felt like really could use some bike parking uh, in order to further encourage uh, bicycling within our district. Uh, we haven't heard back or seen any movement within a year, so I'd like to, uh, I will send you the list. Um, so I'm hoping we could follow up uh, given that I think you said it, the turnaround time was around 90 to 120 days for installations uh, after the re requests yeah. come in. Okay. Okay. So I will yeah. get that to you. Yeah, that would be helpful. And I want to say for the, the rack siting, we did recently start a contract with the Bike Coalition, so they are doing the field work for us. So that started a, a couple months ago, so we should be able to turn things around more quickly now. Okay, great. Uh, Commissioner Avalos. Yeah, by uh, request or by questions, very similar around bike racks and bike parking. Is there a place on SFMTA's website where you can apply for those? What's the interaction with the public? Uh, it seems like our offices don't quite have that information. It would be helpful to have. Yes, I, I can provide that. There, There is a link on online. You can either email or there's a form to fill out and you can re request request racks. We also just created some new brochures that we're in the presses of printing several thousand of even I think this week in, in multiple languages to describe the bike rack program and how businesses can can interact with it and and get what they need. So I'm happy to provide those brochures as well. Uh, that'll be that'll be great. I'm just trying to find okay we got bike racks. I'm just looking at your website just trying to find where I could find easily uh, links to, to to apply and yeah. doesn't quite seem to come up okay. as easily yeah. as uh, here we go. So, okay, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> Thank okay. you. All right. Um, what happened to the goal of uh, our twenty percent uh, ridership by twenty twenty? Is that I heard you say we're you know we're ideally we're at eight to ten percent. Um, for ridership, uh, are we still looking at that 2020 goal? It was a kind of a feel-good resolution yeah. that we did at the Board of Supervisors, uh, but I'm not sure if it was one that yeah, the MTA saw as realistic. Sure. Um, so I just pulled up a slide. So, so in the bicycle strategy, we identified a number of funding scenarios. The giant circle there is the most aggressive funding scenario, and I think that's kind of what would allow us to get to the, the full build-out of a European-style system. That's not ultimately what we have funding for at the moment, and so we're looking at more of the 8 to 10 percent by, by 2020 with the recognition that that's not the end, that there's additional work to be done once there's additional funding out there, but we're working with the funding that we have available right now. Great. Thank you. Um, and then, um, you know, we're not the third, we're the third highest uh, mm -hmm. commute. Um, is that by volume, by distance? Uh, that's, that's by percent of San Francisco residents commuting to work by bicycle. So four, four and a half percent of San Francisco residents commute by bicycle to work on average on a given day. And that's third highest of any um, large city in the country. Portland and Minneapolis are, are just ahead of us. Okay, thank you. Minneapolis is cold. Yeah. That's really incredible. Yeah. yeah. They're very hardy folk yes, over there yes. in Minnesota. No, no hills, though. All right, and um, just a kind of a, I guess, the last question um, for this, and I know it kind of builds on why Supervisor Avalos called, uh, or Commissioner Avalos called for this hearing in the first place, just <laughs> how it is that our, our city's existing or new infrastructure that we're creating for bicycles connect with, say, bike share or connect with other modes of transportation, such as Muni. So, um, I mean, I'm sure you have it mapped out somewhere, but I just want to make sure that we're uh, being very explicit with our, um, our goals for our bike network. 
Yes. Yeah, and we're working closely with Motivate um, to understand where where their siting is, what what their phasing is, and making sure that we have um, safety improvements that are going in to to support that system as well as uh, investments to get people to transit as well. So th those are all things that we're coordinating in terms of how how we're investing in the system and and where we're where we're kind of focusing our our money. Okay, so maybe just perhaps if yeah. if there is a future update to you know um, bike lanes that are coming in or other improvements, just making sure that we are able to see that how they connect to, again, bike share or transit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Great, thank you. Okay, colleagues, uh, no questions or comments on the bike update. Uh, that was an information item. Um, our house has changed, but I guess it doesn't matter because we're not taking a vote on this. So, any members of the public who wish to uh, comment on item seven. Please come on up. Uh, if not, okay, public comments closed. And now let's call item eight. Item eight, update on project performance results for Plan Bay Area 2040 and regional housing agenda. This is an information item. Thank you, we have Amber Crabb from, uh, she's our Deputy Director for Policy and Programming. Who doesn't know how to work Excel apparently. <laughs> okay, I'll, while she's pulling it up, uh, Thank you, good morning, still barely. Uh, I'm gonna, in the sake of time, go pretty quickly through these, um, but I'd be happy to uh, answer any questions at the end or speak with anyone later uh, if you wanna get further into the details. Uh, today we're gonna be talking a little bit about the project performance evaluation, which is uh, has been going on at the regional level since last October, and then a little bit on a recent proposal to uh, that MTC and ABAG have put together regarding the regional uh, housing action agenda. So just as a reminder, Plan Bay Area is the blueprint of transportation and growth <laughs> investments uh, across the region through 2040. Uh, this is just a snapshot of the two-year process that we're going through to update the plan, as well as the start is where we are right now, which is the end of the performance assessment and really close to uh, putting together the final preferred scenario that'll uh, feed into the final plan. Uh, the last action that this body took on Plan Bay Area was the adoption of San Francisco's project uh, priorities in October. We then fed those to MTC, and right now we're going through the process of revising that list uh, to accommodate a lower discretionary funding target, and you'll be seeing that next month for approval. So the performance assessment, uh, MTC took all the inputs from us and other regional and county entities and pulled out the largest and the capacity increasing projects to do a performance assessment with the purpose not, not really necessarily to put together a ranked list of projects, but really to identify which projects rise to the top and which would need an additional uh, amount of explanation for why they should be included. It's a two-prong approach they took to the assessment. One is a benefit-cost uh, assessment, which is relatively quantitative and uh, based on uh, a model that MTC has. And the second is a qualitative target assessment that looks at the 13 targets that MTC adopted uh, last year and gauges how much each project advances uh, those targets. Uh, there's also an equity lens where they look at each of the projects and determine uh, what kind of mobility improvements it's providing for low-income communities. So there were 17 projects from San Francisco that were evaluated. Uh, this includes both the ones that we locally set as priorities, but then also ones that touch San Francisco uh, that other regional entities submitted. MTC also evaluated uh, public transit, local streets and roads, and uh, highway state of good repair and operations projects. 
their conclusions are pretty intuitive. Uh, they found that state of good repair, in particular for local streets and roads and transit, performed well. Uh, investments in highly congested corridors and uh, kind of the backbone of the uh, transit infrastructure also performed well. And then congestion pricing and road efficiency projects um, outperformed road expansion projects in general. With respect to San Francisco, there's kind of good and bad news. Uh, up here is the 2013 Plan Bay Area list of high performers that are uh, highlighted in yellow. And then next to it are the high performers that have been identified for Plan Bay Area 2040. So you can see a few things have dropped out. Uh, and we have no one new project added, and that's for Geary. Uh, the low performers that were identified, there's six of them. Uh, the good news being that only two of them were locally set priorities, so that's the Southeast Waterfront Transportation Improvement Project and the Geneva Bus Rapid Transit and Quarter Improvement Project. The rest are uh, regional projects that touch the city, but other people are um, their priorities outside of the city. Uh, just wanted to point out, uh, and I'll go into this in a second, but these projects are only on the list because they're low performers in the benefit cost assessment. Uh, we also, and again, as I said, being a low performer isn't the end of the world. It really is uh, just identifying where you can approach MTC and make what they're calling a compelling case uh, in order to have the project move forward and be considered for inclusion in the preferred scenario. In the case of these two projects, uh, they both serve low-income communities, and so that's kind of an automatic uh, move on to the next level. Uh, the key to why these projects are performing lower uh, is, we believe, because there are flaws in MTC's uh, evaluation of the benefits of the projects, mostly due to their model not picking up uh, important benefits like relieving transit crowding, uh, improving transit reliability. It also doesn't capture any benefits for bicyclists and pedestrians, and we're doing a lot of investment in safety uh, as part of our uh, larger capital projects, so all of that is dismissed. There's also, uh, it chronically underestimates muni trips uh, compared to other transit operators. Mm -hmm. Question on, um, it looks like Geary Bus Rapid Transit is a low performing, as you mentioned, and I look at that as a project that's not really addressing the current needs, but what the needs will be in the future. Is that another flaw in MTC's uh, formula or, or, or yeah. evaluation? Uh, Geary is actually identified, if you go back to the slide here, as a high performer. What was it? Oh, Geneva. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, so right now, Geneva, we're planning what is going to be a much more dense population. Right. Uh, and we're not necessarily by having a huge impact on current ridership, but we know the ridership is going to be dramatic yeah. in the future. Uh, does uh, MTC's evaluation uh, capture what is going to be done in the future rather than what the current uh, conditions are. Right. They do look at the, the benefit is based on what's projected in Plan Barrier 2013 for the area. So it is based on kind of last time's uh, assumptions, which I believe are probably uh, likely to be lower than what were currently anticipated. The issue with the Geneva project, or one of the issues is, as I said, the, the model issues of a lot of the project costs is related to safety improvements, complete streets improvements that go along with the BRT. And so it's a little bit of extra cost that isn't reflected in the uh, in the benefit cost assessment. The other issue with that project is they bundled it together with an interchange improvement and a, uh, and a road extension improvement in Brisbane that is necessary to complete a later phase of the project. So we're actually working with them to rephase the project to try to get the number up above one, which is the requirement to pull it off of that low performing list. I mean, it makes so much sense that it's connecting two prior development areas that we would want that to be uh, one that would score well and get support and funding. 
Right. And, and that's also a reason why they have this compelling case argument is they recognize the model issues and the um, importance of serving low-income communities, even if perhaps it's not the most cost-effective project on the list. Yeah. Um, so, so really our, our feedback to MTC has been emphasizing where we think their model is flawed and, and really playing up the importance of the performance assessment um, on the target side, which we perform better. There is one I wanted to flag. Uh, there is one of the targets that has come up in conversation as being somewhat problematic, kind of in hindsight, the way that it was set last year, and that's the uh, displacement risk target. And we've been in uh, conversation with MTC staff a lot. Essentially, when they set the target, it's everyone acknowledges that displacement is a problem and that there are huge risks and you don't want to make investments that are going to make that worse. Um, however, the way that it kind of uh, ended up in the evaluation is that they look just at risk, not at what act actions that local jurisdictions are taking to combat affordability and displacement issues. So essentially, San Francisco got dinged across the board for all of our projects, even for projects, for instance, like Treasure Island, that's doing a one-for-one -one replacement and a guaranteed uh, right of return for uh, those that are displaced. So we've been talking, I think it's counterintuitive. You don't want to um, disincentivize investment in communities that are experiencing displacement, especially when a lot of them are low-income communities where um, the region is looking to grow. So we'll definitely be working with commissioners moving forward to try to identify some other way of measuring um, displacement pressure and, and moving toward those solutions uh, to address it at the regional level. And that goes into the second part of what I wanted to share with you is what MTC and ABAG have been talking about with respect to the housing action agenda, because this does get into um, touching on the displacement problems that the region is facing. So not surprising, they find that we are in housing crisis and that the broad strategies are kind of what we know already. It's build new housing, protect existing housing, and find new money to do both of those things. Um, on the near term, it is uh, the probably the most pressing uh, thing that's moving forward is a near-term strategy. MTC has found an additional $72 million through its One Bay Area grant program that'll be provided over the next five years and is putting together um, a recommendation for how to proceed with in spending that investment. Um, one of the proposals that's come forward is a housing program, um, and the options they've put forward is rewarding jurisdictions that are creating housing by providing additional transportation funding, um, providing uh, additional funding for jurisdictions that are adopting uh, policies to advance affordability and anti-displacement concerns, and then perhaps a direct uh, investment either in a loan program or some kind of um, direct purchase trust fund uh, for existing low-income and uh, median-income housing. They've come up with some really interesting ideas in the medium to long-term. Uh, beefing up their infrastructure finance fund, uh, and then two options that would require uh, legislation at the state level, which would be a jobs housing linkage fee across the region and perhaps an uh, entire housing bond across the region. So I won't go through the details here. Um, we'll be coming back every month with more. Uh, next month, uh, we'll be uh, talking if we hear what the definite proposal is for the $72 million in housing uh, potential housing funds is we'll bring that back also with the revised project priority list for San Francisco. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Thanks for your patience. Thank you for your presentation. Um, colleagues, questions, comments? No? Okay. Well, thank you thank for you. all of your work on this. <laughs> all right. So do we have any members of the public who wish to speak on item eight? 
public comment. Seeing none, then public comment is closed. And that was an information item, so we'll call item 9, please. Item 9, introduction of new items. All right, we have no introduction of new items. Any public comment on item 9? All right, public comment is closed. And now general public comment number 10. Yes. <clears throat> Good morning, commissioners. We see the suffering of the worldly people as one's own suffering. Having such state of heart, with mercy and grievance, one would realize of 100 years of a lifespan for anyone are no more than meeting one's tragic destiny to a resolution. Therefore, person with great wisdom would self-seek a better life of well-beings, making good success of one's original relationships and working hard on personal cultivation in extension to taking course of holy way to benefit the worldly people. Of holiness and virtues will be one's mercy ship for a safe course to save soul of true success. Life conditions always change from good to bad, often bad to good. Being so, within these cycles of changing conditions, one should work hard to accomplish more good deeds. In rescue of suffering and disaster, of immediate dangers, one should deliver mercy and grievance of quick giving to the needy people. Also, in expansion of quick teachings, flu realistic working agenda items to lead on worthy people for full awakening, having better coloration of well-beings for the world society by spreading the holy truth to four seas. Of such accumulation of good deeds, of credible works, one is having good wisdom to gain true benefit for oneself and others. Finally, one should step forward with perfect uprightness of one's bodily virtue of speech, thought, and actions to maintain one's good family and social order to the state of ultimate excellency. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any other members of the public who should speak during public comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Are there any other items before us today? Uh, item 11, adjournment. All right. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you.